0: purpose of the water was to make things thrive. And the purpose hasn't changed today. For some, that might look like stepping into the water for the very first time, ankle deep. For others, it might look like pushing out a little bit deeper until you're swept up in a current that was stronger than you ever imagined. Surrender is the pathway to gaining something we can never lose. We will have to be
1: willing to step water into the presence of god if we want to thrive it's the only way it works
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. All right, how are y'all doing this morning? All right. How many of you remember when you were baptized? Who remembers when they were baptized? I'm gonna date myself a little bit here. I was baptized in 1976. Whoa, that was last century. I was baptized in January or February in an outside pool. The weather was freezing, the water was freezing. I did not care. I was having a moment that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. So we just pray for any of you that are being baptized today, or if you're considering being baptized, man, please do it. It's great. So hello to you guys in the room. Hello to you guys online, any of our campuses. Uh, Just uh, appreciate you guys. Philip Miles, I don't know what service you're in, but hello to you. I want to say a special hello to my son and his family are here. My daughter in Texas is watching online. If you'll give me the selfishness to do that. And I have some really special friends that are here this morning. So I just want to say hello to them. I'm Chip Judd. I, uh, I'm on staff here at Seacoast, have been for about 12 years now. Uh, my title is Pastor of Leader Care. What that means is I'm this weird combination of pastor and counselor. Uh, plus, I'm a little bit old in case you hadn't noticed, um, I kind of thank God for Michael Morris because he's two years older than me. So I'm not the oldest person on staff. So, Michael, you better hang around for a while, please. But uh, I've been a pastor for 43 years, and I've been counseling for about that same amount of time. And then late 80s, I, uh, I went back to school and got my uh, master's degree in counseling. So I was a professional counselor. And uh, I've actually done about 13,000 hours of face-to-face with individuals, marriages, families, churches, staffs, et cetera, because uh, nobody more surprised than I am. What happened about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago is I started traveling to different churches and um, working with the pastor and his family and his staff and all that. Now, why am I telling you all that? Because you kind of listen to me a little differently. I, uh, what I love to do is blend biblical, solid, spiritual Christianity with what I call sanctified psychology. I just have found that there's some really cool stuff psychology has learned that helps us in our journey with God. And uh, I think we're going to have a little bit of fun doing that. So, all right, got a question for you. What is one thing you do every day? Somebody over here. What's one thing you do every day? Brush your teeth. I just happen to have my toothbrush. What's one thing you do every day? Go to work. All right. Every day. Man, bless you. What's one thing you do every day? Shower, did somebody say? All right, shower. Eat. What about you guys? Laundry? Wow, you must have kids. What about you guys? What do you do every day? You right there, sir. Fishing. Whoa, you got the life, son. One more. What do you do every day? Sleep. There you go. All right. I'm going to talk to you about something today. That is one thing I've learned. Say learned. Is learned a process or an event? It's a process. What does that mean? Doesn't happen all at once. And it isn't always necessarily easy. I'm going to talk to you about something I've learned to do every day. One thing I've learned to do every single day. Now, part of why I told you who I am and what I do is uh, when I say what I'm about to say, it ought to carry a little bit of weight. I've been working with individuals, marriages, pastors, their families, churches, dogs, cats, birds, trees, whatever for 40 years. What we're going to talk about today is the number one thing I've learned that has had more impact on the way I live my life than anything else I've learned other than obviously receiving Jesus. But you'll see how it connects to that. But I mean it now. This is the one thing I've learned that has had more effect in my life and more effect in all the different people that I've worked with all these years. And I'm hoping it's going to have that same impact on you here today. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, um, I ask you to just do your thing, God. Uh, Talk to every person in this room, every person watching online, every person that will watch. Talk to them personally about the subject we're going to deal with today. And I thank you, sir. I trust you for that. In Jesus name. Amen. Here's the deal. This one thing doesn't come naturally. Doesn't come easily for most of us. It's affected every area of my life. It's affected my relationships. It's affected my relationship with God. It's affected my relationship with myself. It's affected my relationship with everybody I encounter. It's affected my relationship with you. It's why I'm not freaked out being up here in front of you. And uh, it's affected my emotional health and cycles. How many of you know you're not supposed to be a flat line, but we're not supposed to be like either. We're supposed to kind of get hit by life and we recover and all that. It's affected my spiritual growth. It's affected how I've come to know God. How I've come to understand what he expects of me. And to be honest with you, some of what he has for me. It's affected my career. I'm doing things right now. I never dreamed I'd be doing. I'm doing things, working with people uh, on staff at Seacoast. Seacoast is a pretty big deal, you know. And I'm just like, God, this is ridiculous. I don't deserve this. And I don't. But uh, I'm enjoying the ride. Here's one that kind of gets creepy for some people. It's affected my income. And my, in, my influence, I make more money than I ever thought I'd make. Now, I don't make a lot of money, but I make more than I thought I'd make. So don't get that weirded out. You follow me? <laughs> Just remember, you, you know what the reference, the bar wasn't that high. Let's put it that way. But why did it affect my income? Because it affects the risks I'm willing to take, the opportunities I'm willing to enter into and take advantage of. How many of you have heard scriptures like this? You shall know the truth and the truth will make you... How many of you know there's something wrapped up in the gospel and its power that is supposed to translate into freedom? Well, I've been at this a long time, and you know what? It ain't working so good in some of our lives. Well, this subject has helped me experience and enjoy real freedom and lasting change. So we're going to have some fun, I hope. Let's look at a really cool encounter Jesus had with some Religious people and some nice, wonderful people. Matthew chapter 22. Teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? What's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, how many of you ever read the Bible and you kind of picture the room and you kind of think, "What, what was happening? Well, I want to set the room up for you, at least the way I see it. I picture Jesus, of course, as the center of attention. And then over in this corner were the Sadducees. Over in this corner were the Pharisees, and I'll tell you who they are in just a second, and the rest of the room was filled with hungry, hurting, lonely people. So get the room now. Sadducees, Pharisees, just a crowd of hungry, hurting, lonely people, and they were trying to get as close to Jesus as they could possibly get. Now, Sadducees and Pharisees were the political and religious leaders of the day. How many of you know the people at the top of the pyramid don't exactly want things to change? Because if things change, they may not be at the top anymore. So Jesus came along and he tried to unsettle things and they were trying to do everything they could to trip him up and discredit him. So if you read the whole chapter of Matthew 22... Each of them took shots at him. The Sadducees took a shot at him. The Pharisees took a shot at him. What this section of scripture is, is the the Pharisees came another time to trip Jesus up. They didn't ask him this question so he could, you know, uh, impress people with what he knew. They asked him this question so that they can make him look bad because they wanted him to give an answer that they could use against him. So they asked him, teacher. What's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? The other thing I want you to think about is, have you ever thought about Jesus's posture, facial expression? Like I have this sense in this whole thing, Sadducees, Pharisees, and all of these hurting, hungry people. And I have this sense that by eye contact and body posture, he was saying this, I'm with you, not with them. I just think he oozed this sense of, I'm with you, not with them. So what's the greatest commandment? I believe Jesus was answering a question. What's the biggest issue on the heart of God? What's the most important subject you could ever talk about from God's perspective? In one word, what was Jesus' answer? Say it real good. So Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love God. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and your strength. And I love scripture without hesitating. I believe he said what? And the second is equally important. That's crazy, folks. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So I believe Jesus is answering the question. What is God's number one desire, intention or purpose? In one word, what is it? Say it really good. Say it up there. All right. So God's number one desire, intention, and purpose. I've come to believe that when we read this passage of scripture, we're missing something really, 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 really important. I mean, really crazy important. Church, big famous church up north did a study a few years back, and they studied discipleship and how the church is trying to build disciples of Jesus. And they, um, they studied all kinds of churches, denominations, socioeconomic groups, and they tried to figure out why are we not raising up people that follow God and change the world. And they took, they landed on this passage of scripture, the one we're looking at, and they came to this conclusion. We're making the process of discipling too complicated. And they said this, based on this scripture, all we need to do is build people that love God and love others. They were just all excited. How many think that's a pretty decent answer? Yes or no? Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It ain't what he said. It ain't what he said. It's a really important piece missing. And a guy who's been in face-to-face with people and their hurts and wounds, disappointments, struggles, For over 40 years, it is, in my opinion, the critical piece. What did he say? Love your neighbor. I believe that's one scripture we all do automatically. You love other people the way you love yourself. Now, how many of you know the next thought you have ought to be Houston? We have a problem. Because if you love others the way you love yourself... They ain't getting much. Are you with me? Now, I believe there's a secret sauce in all of this. Scripture says that God loves us. Nobody disagree with that. We'll talk more about that in a second. But I believe the secret sauce, the missing ingredient in most people's journey with God is that phrase, as yourself. Now, how many of you want to fulfill God's purpose? Raise your hand. And I'll call you out if you don't. I'm kidding. (laughs) What you just said is when we throw dirt on you, you want us to be able to say this man, this woman did what God created them to do. Right? So how many of you one last time? How many of you want to do what God created you to do? All right. How many of you think it'd probably be a good idea to ask him? Why did you create me? Right? Fair? Why did you create me? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine the Trinity. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit alone. Nothing that we know exists, exists yet. And here's the question, God, why? Why did you do this? Why did you create you and you and you and you and me? My deal is this. He better have a pretty good answer because it's jacked up out there. Why did he? Why? 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 Now, a lot of times when I do this, I'll have people respond and people will say things like this to worship him, to serve him, to bring others to him. Now, here's the deal. If you believe it's God's purpose for creating you to worship him, then you must believe God's an egotistical rock star wanting people shouting his name. If you believe he created you to serve him, then you must have had children to do the dishes and mow the grass. Here's the deal. In 47 years walking with God, the only answer I've come up with that makes any sense. Why did God create you? Why did God create me? To love us. To love us. Bible says God is love. Guess what? The need that he had, the desire that he had, was somewhere to give it. Somewhere to share. Now, usually at this point, if we're interacting, someone will say, what did, why did God create you? At this point, they'll say, to love him. Er, wrong answer. Uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't invite you to lunch so you'll pick up the tab. God doesn't need your love. But he does need you to learn how to let him love you. You with me? There's a verse in the Bible. First John 419 says this. We love him because he. We love him because he. We love him because he. Are you with me? Who does which first? He loves us. Then we love him. He loves us, then we love him. Make sense? I believe from this thought process, the ultimate goal in life, the ultimate objective for every day you breathe God's air is to R&R in the Father's love, to receive and rest in the Father's love, to learn to receive and rest. We're going to talk more about that right now. There's radio waves flowing through this room right now. All kinds of stations. I don't know what you listen to, but here's the deal. What do you have to have to tune into one of those channels? Some kind of radio. It's got to be turned on and you got to do what? You got to tune it to the right channel, right? Well, I believe this. I believe the love of God, the liquid, powerful Oh, warm love of God is flowing across this room right now, but life has treated us in such a way that we don't quite know how to tune to it. We've been told all these different things about what he expects of us, wants from us, demands from us, and it's hard for us to find that channel, but his love's flowing through this room right now. There's times in this message, I wish I could just grab every one of you and look in the eye. His love is flowing across you right now. And listen to me. He so badly wants you to let it in. Wants you to let it in. All right. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for most of us to receive and rest in his love? Greg, Pastor Greg did a video for us. So let's watch that for just a second.
1: So how did I meet Chip Judd? Um, I met him when he was invited to come and share at our executive team uh, here at Seacoast. He was invited by Mac Lake, who's now known as Brandon's dad. (laughs) Just like I'm Josh's dad, right? So part of the deal was that we each had to book uh, an appointment with Chip as a counselor. I'd never been to a counselor before. Uh, I thought, what do you say to a counselor? And I thought I was pretty good. In fact, I told my wife, I probably need to make some stuff up. Well, we sat down in the room, I was pretty nervous, and it didn't take Chip long to zero in on where my issues were. It began with this idea of my concept of God. I thought God was mad at me all the time. I didn't sit around thinking about that, but it kind of drove how I approached life. If he wasn't mad, he was at least disappointed because I was kind of disappointed in myself. And what Chip did there and over time showed me all about uh, the Father's love that he's been teaching you about today. I discovered that God wasn't mad at me. God wasn't disappointed in me. God loved me and God had a plan for me. And how did that wash itself out? A lot of you know, I've said before, I start every day with a reminder Uh, of the fact that I am a child of God, that he desperately loves me and he has a wonderful plan for my life. And my life has changed as a result. So I hope that if you don't get anything else out of today and out of Chip's message, I hope you get the message that God's not mad at you. God's not disappointed in you. God loves you more than you can know. If you can get that down into here, It'll change your life.
0: Amen. You know, when I was preparing this message, you know, obviously, I hope you know that we pray a little bit, and uh, I felt like God, I just had this thought, you know, what if God offered me a superpower? You know what superpower I would want? I would want the superpower to just touch your forehead, and for the rest of your breathing days, it was easy for you to receive and rest in his love. I don't know of anything else that would change your life more dramatically. Some of you sitting here think he is mad at you. Some of you sitting here thinking you're just a constant disappointment to him. And I pray to God that he he touches that today. All right, let's mix a little Bible and psychology. Okay, you ready for that? All right. So the verse we just read, we love him because he first loved us, actually doesn't say that the word him is not there. If you look in most of your Bibles, it'll be in italics. When it's in italics, that means it wasn't in the original manuscript. So it reads this way. We love period because he first loved us. It's not that we love God, although we do because he first loved us, but it's that we love period. We love him, ourselves, and everyone else in our life because he first loved us. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. We are loved into loving. We're loved into loving. You're not commanded into loving. You're loved into loving. What releases love in you is being loved. Parents awaken love in the heart of a child by loving them. One of my grandchildren is here. I could eat you. And Ruth, I could eat yours. Give me a knife and a spoon or a fork. (laughs) Parents awaken love in their child by loving them. A child is awakened to love for themselves by being loved. When you love a child, they learn to love themselves. When a child is not loved and valued by his or her parents or friends and work and life and everything, he or she doesn't stop loving the parents, the friends. They stop loving themselves. I've been doing this a long time and I've seen horrific situations of abuse. You know, I've never met a person abused in their childhood that didn't think it was their fault. I've never met one. I've never met one. <clears throat> just as no child, a child of God is awakened to love by being loved by God. You know what breaks my heart? We, 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 people accept Jesus, they get baptized, they become Christians and we don't teach them this. The first thing, in my opinion, the first thing you need to learn to do is receive his love and learn to rest in it. How many believe what Jesus did was a pretty big deal? I like this statement. Jesus did it hard so we could do it easy. What do you mean? Jesus did all that so that you and I could walk into the presence of God as if we've never sinned. Do you realize when you bring up your sin, it's the first time God's thought about it? When you bring up your sin to God, you know what he's really thinking? Why are you bringing that up? You told me about it a week ago. Why are you bringing it up? I'm not thinking about it. Don't raise your hand on this. But how many of you make some bad decisions occasionally? How many of you are caught in behavior cycles? I promise you. I promise you. What's at the heart root of your problem is not being able to get your needs met in a correct, healthy way, starting with God. Just as no child can be awakened to love without being loved by parents and early life experiences, so too, no child of God can come to know and enjoy God without experiencing his love for them personally. There's a verse in Matthew where Jesus was sending the disciples out to minister and heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead. And he said this, as freely as you've received, give. In other words, however you receive something, that's how you're going to give it. Well, think about that for a minute. We all give love the way we've learned to receive it. If you receive love through conditions, performance, having to please people, then guess what? That's how you're going to love people. The key is learning to receive love. I've never met a person that didn't agree with the statement. God loves you. Lost people believe God loves them. Everybody believes God loves them. Here's the problem. Everybody believes God loves them, but who has experienced love so consistently and in such a deep and powerful way that it's the daily reality from which and in which you effortlessly live? I don't, it doesn't require effort to love my wife. It doesn't require effort to believe that little stinker over there loves me. I love it when she's on the phone or FaceTime with Colleen, and she'll say, where's Chi-Chi? That's what she calls me. They all call me. Where's Chi-Chi? Man, that little thing thought of me. God's thinking of you every second. He wants you to learn, process, not event, how to live effortlessly in his love. Intellectual agreement without repeated impactful experiences Doesn't change your daily reality. You being able to quote scriptures about God's love. You being able to theologically explain. God loves you. Ain't going to help you. What's going to help you. Is sitting down quietly. And figuring out how to tune that radio. And that love gets through. And you're like. Whoa. I like that. And you practice. And we're going to talk about that in a second. All right. How do I retrain my soul every day by focusing on this one thing? How do I retrain my soul every day by focusing on this one thing? In John chapter 7, Jesus was at a festival, uh, what we would call a conference. And on the last day, This is John chapter 7, verse 37, 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty. Now, here's the deal. Thirst is the pain or discomfort of unmet need. Thirst is that part of your soul that wants love, encouragement, affirmation, a sense of belonging, a sense that you matter to someone. And here's Jesus' statement. If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me. And do what? How many of you, if I gave you a bottle of water, you could probably figure out how to drink some of it. Why did he use such a simple metaphor? All I want you to learn to do is come to me and drink. Drink. Everything that's been done, everything that's needed for you to be able to receive God's love has already been done by someone else for you. What he wants you to learn to do is receive it. All right, three things. I know I said one thing. This is one thing, but these are, these are three ways to look at this one thing. Say one thing. How often? Every day. Say one thing. Every day. All right, number one, learn to look to God first and most for everything you need. Learn to look to God first and most. First and most. What does that mean? When I wake up in the morning, I don't look to my wife to love me. I don't look to my kids to love me. I like my wife to love me. Want my wife to love me. Want my son to love me. Want my daughter to love me. Want my daughter that's going to watch at 1130 to love me. But here's the deal. I don't need them to love me. Why? Because I went to God first. And most. And what does God do? God fills my love bucket. Do you know how much different life feels when you go to people because you want to be with them and not because you need to be with them? Like you guys, I want you to like me. I want you to think, yeah, dude, did a pretty decent job. But I don't need. <laughs> Thank you, my one friend. Okay. <laughs> I'm ahead. I'm ahead. <laughs> I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. Why? I hung out with God this morning. And you know what he said? He said, Chipper, love you, dude. And I do have some bad news. I'm kind of his favorite. <laughs> number two. Number one, learn to look to God first and most for everything you need. Number two, identify and deal with your idols. An idol is any person or thing we run to or rely on to meet needs only God can meet. What does that mean? Idols are things you run to because you had not figured out how to get it from God yet. It might be food. It might be mom. It might be dad. It might be kids. It might be friends. It might be money. It might be all kinds of things. But figure out what you're running to because you haven't learned how to run to God and get what you need yet. Amen? Number three, practice. Practice receiving and resting in the Father's love every day. You know what practice is? Practice is doing something hard until it's not. Practice is doing something hard until it's not. Do something for me. Take your finger. I'm going to watch. If you don't do it, I'm going to be offended. Touch your nose. Do you realize there was a time you couldn't do that? You realize there's a time in your life when your hands just kind of like. And then one day you kind of like, wait a minute. Wow. I can do that myself. How many follow where I'm going? Receiving and resting in the father's love might seem like alien to you. Just like that used to be. Practice receiving and resting in the father's love. Every single day. Here's what I know. It's your job to show up. It's his job to give you a reason to come back. I dare you. To start carving out some time. To start your day. Coffee, Bible, all that. You're going to get to that. But don't start there. Start with open hands. God, I want to tune the radio. And we're going to do it here in just a minute. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for these awesome folks. They're such an honor to be in front of. They're so free with their attention. They're hungry. And Lord, I pray. I pray that you would jam all the other radio stations that flow through our hearts. And open the channel for you to love us. Please, sir. Please, sir, in Jesus' name, amen.